To discuss Hume's argument against miracles, Peter Cale, who's fellow and tutor in philosophy at St Peter's College, Oxford, joins Timothy Chapel in the studio. Peter Cale, let's get on to the argument, because I think it still has a lot of contemporary relevance. It's still an argument that we need to consider today, because people still make claims about miracles. So what is the argument that Hume is making? And perhaps, first of all, what does he mean by a miracle? Well, he defines miracle in two ways, actually. One is the violation of a law of nature, and that's the main uh, definition. And the second is the violation of a law of nature by the immediate interposition of the deity, i.e., it identifies not merely what happens, namely a law was violated, but also what the cause of that violation is, namely God. So it's not just that something happens which is extraordinary and against all the laws of nature, it's also that God makes it happen. Yes, but it's important here in this structure that Hume is trying to uh, identify a miracle first in order for it to be a proof of the existence of God. And why couldn't there be a miracle, according to Hume? Well, it's actually wrong to say that Hume is denying that there are miracles. What Hume is actually arguing for is that it's never rational to believe a report of a miracle. What he says, essentially, is this. Look, our experience of laws of nature constitute a proof of the existence of the laws of nature. Testimony from miracles claim that that law of nature was violated. But now, when we're assessing what someone says, we don't simply take their word for it, but we consider, as it were, all sorts of factors. And now, these two things can interplay. The more extraordinary an event that is attested by someone, the more likely it is we're going to demand something more rigorous from the person who tells us that uh, it's happened. So if something is a very extraordinary report, we need a stronger reason to believe that that report is true. I think that's right. That's right. And essentially what Hume does is to say, look, we can think of all sorts of ways in which we should assess what everybody says. So we think of various criteria. We want to know of any report, um, how many people witness this? If you want to say, for example, something that's, that's very odd, namely that there was a tiger in Shaftesbury Avenue this afternoon, uh, my merely saying so, well, you might say, OK, but that seems such a strange thing, I just want to check with someone else. Secondly, of course, you might want to know uh, whether the person telling you something is in any way interested, interested in a kind of bad sense of something. Namely, if I tell you that there was no money in the drawer, and yet I have an interest, you know, independently of trying to acquire more money, you may then think, well, Kale telling me that there was no money in the, in the drawer is kind of somewhat undermined by the idea that I know that I'm trying to acquire money. So the witness to the miracle might be undermined because they might want it to be a miracle. Exactly. So suppose you have something which we think is a violation of the laws of nature, and suppose you've got lots of witnesses who claim to have seen this happen, and suppose there's no reason to think that any of them is biased or, as you put it, has a special interest in the case... On those conditions, why shouldn't we say a miracle has occurred? Well, how Hume describes it is that he says we now face something called a proof versus proof. On the one hand, we have sufficient evidence to think that we have an established law of nature. 
And on the other hand, there's a claim to the effect that there have been a sufficient number of people of good standing, good reputation, who would lose quite a lot if they were found out, whom we think are not biased or deluded in any way, shape or form. Now, what Hume actually says is that no miracle report has ever met the conditions whereby you would think that the testimony of the miracle report is sufficient to mean that there really was a violation of the Wow, and he, he published this in his lifetime. He did publish this in his lifetime. Because this is extraordinarily controversial, because, of course, the whole of his society was based upon the idea of the resurrection. And the claim must be, presumably, that a miracle occurred when Jesus was resurrected exactly. or allegedly resurrected. There must have been a miracle. It must have been witnessed by enough people. And whether or not they had an interest in it, that interest can't have dis- been decisive in biasing Indeed. them to say things that Indeed. weren't true. Indeed, and uh, Hume's reputation as an anti-Christian was there in place, and it wasn't something he ever denied. He denied being an atheist, but he thought the particular uh, stripe of religion called Christianity, he thought that those kinds of arguments, the witnessing of a miracle, command our assent as per reason. So Hume believes that there have never been any credible accounts of miracles. Does he believe there never could be? I think he thinks it's highly unlikely because he allows the possibility of there being a credible report of a miracle when he he discusses uh, an imaginary situation when in 1600 uh, all is darkness for seven days. And he says, I can imagine perfectly the situation that there would be good cases whereby if that there could possibly be a number of people of sufficient character, etc., etc., to testify that. But his, his main thought is that when it comes to the investment in religious belief, that there hasn't been, and B, the, the, given human psychology, it's always most likely to be that uh, no testimony is going to amount to a proof that would override any report of the law of nature. Peter Cale, thank you. Okay. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.